Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiki. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Here at Software People Stories, we are celebrating Women's Month with five different women being featured in series. We have the distinct privilege to introduce five very inspiring women from different realms of technology. I would like to introduce Palashi, who is a research scholar from Cornell University, who is breaking the barriers between social impact and technology. Then we have Pooja Isar, who comes from the investment background and social uh, work. And now she is the managing director for Anita B, who shares her interesting journey. And next we have Vaishali James, who's a marketing professional for technology. And she talks about her journey of coming from a very humble background and uh, breaking different, different uh, arenas. Next, um, we have Pramita, who's a satellite engineer. And she talks about how do we uh, take 75 people to move the moon from India. And last but not the least, we have Bindu Sunil, who shares her passion of embedded and uh, how she's changed her avatar to become a cloud engineer and she's heading the cloud division in Wipro. This whole month, every Friday, consecutively, we'll be releasing one new episode. Don't forget to listen to each one of them and get inspired. Today, uh, we are having a very interesting uh, conversation with Pooja Isar, uh, Managing Director for Anita B India. And uh, we are going to talk about um, Grace Hopper Conference, Women's Day, what it means to lead a woman in tech organization, and so much more. Welcome, Pooja. Thank you, Gayatri. Looking forward. Can you introduce about you a little bit uh, to our listeners? I'm sure many of us have know you from your articles, but I would like you to introduce yourself. Lovely. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm Pooja Isar. And uh, I'm heading up AnitaB.org for India. And I've been in this role now for 10 months. Now, um, you know, what got me to Anita B? And uh, Anita B, obviously, we're a not-for-profit organization. And what we primarily work for is the core, which is women empowerment in the tech world. Um, but having said that, I'm a non-techie, a complete non-tech person. I actually come from what we call the dark side. And the dark side is investment banking. And I have given about 18 years of my life to working in investment banking, uh, which is all dealing with numbers. And um, for me, yes, you know, the financial services world, I was working in the numbers. I was working with the dollar sign. I wasn't involved as much as technology, but anything and everything I did, obviously the science behind that came from what the tech world does. But at that point in time, I didn't give it much thought as to what the tech world comprises of. You know, we used to walk around when I was in financial services. Um, I had a huge, uh, I would say, a beautiful journey, a bit of a roller coaster, because I also came from a sector where the number of men always kind of um, overrode the number of women. You know, um, we were always a minority. Women were a minority. And I also was one of those women who just moved to the West to start their careers, trying hard to fit in. Firstly, the East-West culture, uh, you know, right from something as basic as to getting dressed, to speaking in the right way, uh, trying to fit in there, and then trying to be a part of the bigger world, which was compete with my peers, 90% of which were men. At very senior positions, um, aggressive financial services is an aggressive sector. So I always thought the challenge was the biggest challenge in gender 
was in the financial services. And whenever I heard people say, oh, you're not the only one. There are other sectors where this happens. I really never believed it because not only were we racing against men for performance, but our job was very much about running after money. It was all about money. It was about increasing the wallet share. And um, I thought we had the we had it toughest and I had it tougher because I was at that point in time, a girl of an Indian origin trying to make my presence felt or make a space for myself in the banking sector in the UK and the West overall. Yeah, that was a journey. I used to think I had it tough till I relocated a couple of years back, back to India. And because of my own personal circumstances, having a, you know, six month old baby in hand, decided to have a 360 degree career move, couldn't travel 27 days a, a month and um, wanted to kind of slow down. And I always wanted to kind of give back to the society. I didn't know how to. So when I wanted to slow down, I joined the not-for-profit sector in India. And I had the opportunity of working with four of the best and the biggest not-for-profits in India. Uh, they were working towards causes like women empowerment. They were working towards child abuse, education. But we were working with very marginalized communities. So I would say overall women empowerment, you know, trafficking, women rights, the issues, the underlying issues were the same, but the kind of audience we were dealing with was different. It's always been about gender parity, pay parity. It's always about the deep-rooted Indian culture, which again, I always thought after coming back from the West after 20 years, India had moved on. But when I looked at what I was doing, it's so deep-rooted that I realized it's not just the marginalized communities. Every sector, corporate, at any level, still has these issues because they run deep in our culture. Um, I gave four years to the not-for-profit world, but there was a sense of missing something. There was a gap. And um, I think the corporate world was so deep-rooted in me. I was trying to find a place for myself. I just wanted a mix of giving back to the society in a way, but not letting go of that corporate beast in me. And I think this is what Anita B gave me, you know, working towards uh, the cause of women in technology. Women are working in the corporate world. Thinking is different. These are women who are working towards, or, or I would rather say, they have different challenges as opposed to the women I worked with in the past, which was the marginalized communities. And it's a not-for-profit. We're doing it for a cause. And I thought this was this was going to give me what I really wanted, a cause, but working with like-minded people. All of us, I feel, and I would say that all of us have these challenges at every stage of our life. Um, we might be very, you know, we might have it in our head that, okay, I'm working for this cause. There are women out there who have these challenges, but I don't. But I think every day, every week, all of us awaken to some challenge which reflects in what we are dealing with or what we are working towards. Um, I have met the who's who now today within our communities, all the women from tech. And I'll tell you, these last 10 months have been such an eye-opener for me. For me, technology was a different sector. It was supposed to be full of geeks who didn't have a life. It was supposed to be full of people who were just glued to the computer screens, who were just doing coding. I didn't know more beyond that. A community of tech women I've been working with, I've been uh, talking with, have just opened up a different world for me. More importantly, for me, it's about, I'm a numbers person. And I love analyzing data. I love looking at data. And when I look at the data and I look at the challenges, women in technology, not just in India, India very close to my heart, but obviously we have to benchmark that against the global uh, you know, stats as well. When I look at that, I just feel we have so much to do. There is just so much to do. Um, and I'm still trying to address that gap, why we are where we are. 
I personally believe women multitask 100 times better than men. Women deal with situations 10 times better than men. And they are much more resilient than men. I think, And I think I uh, very strongly believe also uh, having worked in you know the bank insurance sector and worked in morbidity and mor- mortality, you know, the mortality rate of men is much higher than women. And that's because of resilience. We have so much more resilience to be able to deal with things that we go longer in lives. So yeah, that's been my professional journey. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the next nine months working with, I'm going to use the word, the tech sector across India and Asia Pacific for a Grace Hopper celebration in November. Um, Back in person after almost three years. And so far, I would say I've met my community members and the fraternity, Anita B, Women in Tech fraternity, uh, 95% virtually. And I don't think I'm looking forward to anything more than meeting everyone in person. Excellent, Puja. I have so many questions to ask. I hear your career journey. I think first part was the uh, part where you really uh, went into Barclays and uh, worked in the investment banking space and the financial space. Uh, would you like to share some stories of resilience? You spoke about women having being resilient, being able to do multitasking, and um, and also to a large extent being able to being savvy and able to learn quickly and things like that. So uh, have, what has been uh, your, uh, you know, a few aha moments or, um, you know, uh, gotcha moments also in terms of saying, oh, God, I didn't realize that kind of a thing. Now, any interesting stories there, Puja? Okay, uh, so I'm going to go one step back in my career. And, you know, you start yeah. with uh, my journey with Barclays and what got me there first. Do you know what the honest answer is? I don't know why I went into the financial sector. As a teenager, I think I was a lost cause. Um, In school, the subject I used to dread, absolutely dread, it was maths. College, it was accounting. Well, I come from a family of doctors and I come from a small town called Shimla. And I think it was, um, you know, just deep-rooted in us. Everybody's a doctor. I should also be a doctor, especially being the girl from the family. The boys were supposed to be engineers or lawyers. And girls were supposed to go down the medical route. And I chose that. And I did clear my medicals. And I remember going with my father, traveling to Delhi to get my hostel seat done for All India Institute of Medical Sciences. And I was sitting outside the clerical office to fill my paper when I told my dad I didn't want to become a doctor. And I think my parents had a heart attack. Because, you know, clearing a medical at that time was a huge thing without having to give a capitation fee. And then my parents sat me down and asked me what I wanted to do. And honestly, I had no answer. Because again, I came from a small town. We didn't have much exposure to things like media or mass comm. We didn't know those things existed. For us, it was engineering, law, and medicine. And um, yeah, that's that's the position I put my parents in. And then one bright day, I went in and registered myself for hotel management. I didn't know what that was, but it was what everybody in my age group was talking about. It was supposed to be big. It was supposed to be fancy. It gave me the opportunity as a girl back in those days to get out of a town and come to a tier one city, which I think was a very big ambition of mine. Wow. I didn't realize this part, uh, Puja. It was very, very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I I went to a boarding um, Lawrence school and um, all the uh, boys in town were leaving town for college and girls stayed back to do their graduations from local colleges in Shimla. And that used to be my biggest fear. I used to think I'm going to end up doing graduation from here and then I'm going to get end up getting married to a local guy from small town and get settled and live that life. And for me, that was a no-go. And I just wanted to do anything to break that typeset and move out to tier one city and see the bigger world. And for me, I would say luck played its part as well. And I got the opportunity, um, you know, when McDonald's was coming to India, I got the opportunity to train with them in Jakarta for about a year. Uh, I was, I think, the first batch that they took on in the management positions. 
And we were way too young at that time, but we did not realize that's the culture in the West. It's not about age. It's about hiring the right talent. And um, I think, you know, they say you get a flavor for blood. And for me, that opportunity of living in Jakarta for a year, straight out of Shimla, straight to Jakarta, for me, that opened up a big, bad world. But along with it, it brought another truth to it. I'm not cut out for hotel management. And I dropped it. I dropped it within six months of opening up the first McDonald's store in India in Bandra. And after that, again, what am I going to do? And I think by then my parents had given up on me. And I got myself to the UK for further studies. But don't ask me what I wanted to study. I had no idea. I completely had no idea. I just remember giving my dad a call. And that time calls were expensive. We didn't have mobiles. Technology wasn't that advanced. And I remember calling my dad and saying, I've taken up, I'm going to major in accounts, finance. And it was unbelievable because that was a subject I was always scared of. But I think uh, that's where my strength came to me. And I realized where my strength was. And I was actually afraid of something which I had never even ventured into. I just formed this fear of maths in my head in school. But in college, I realized this is where I'm good. And there started my journey a journey in finance. And then came Barclays and then came RPS and the whole financial services sector, which I have to say, thoroughly, thoroughly, completely enjoyed. But I guess with age, you mature and you realize it's not just about earning money. It's about not just about your own vertical. It's about the bigger world. Uh, you know what? comes into the corporate, it's the associated functions, you start taking interest and then you realize holistically uh, where as a woman you stand, what holds you back, what pushes you forward, what are the forces you're fighting against, um, you know, the whole micro and macro. So I think in the first couple of years, I was very happy with my micro environment, uh, earning my money, getting awards. But then I realized there was a macro environment. If one had to grow both vertically and horizontally, there were bigger things out there. And for me, being a woman was the biggest challenge there. Excellent. I, I, I think uh, there was a pre-story, right? We say stage zero and then stage one. Before yeah. even uh, looking at the financial sector, being in, I have been personally been in financial sector now for 15 years. Uh, right. From 20, 2005, right? It's extremely brutal. Uh, particularly it, working with... Uh, I have been in the tech side where I used to give technology solutions for investment bankers and yeah. I have been in a trade floor. Oh my God, it's so exhilarating. At the same time, unnerving too. Sometimes I love the word brutal. I love the word brutal. Um, yeah, it takes something out of you because, you know, I don't shy away from saying when people used to, when you, I used to interview uh, for different positions or different organizations and anybody would ask me what's my driving force and I would shamelessly unabashedly say it's money it's about earning the big bucks because that's what investment banking was all about if you didn't earn the money you're not making money for the organization so it was all about the money and I think when it comes to money and this goes back to so many conversations all the women in the community we've been having of late is about Women knowing how much do women know about money as compared to men? Um, you know, whether we are talking about our own wealth management, it's about financial literacy. And I think at this time, Katya, I'm just going to mention, I saw something really beautiful on LinkedIn just last week. Uh, Paytm. Yeah. It's called the Pay Divide. It is such a beautiful um, live demo that they've done about the gender divide. I think about three years back, uh, this video was released as part of the Women's Day. It's eye-opening. Right. Please go ahead and explain. Yeah. I think it's just fascinating to see that. I saw it for the first time last week. And now because I'm in that space and, you know, these were live people and this was happening for real, to really see the gaps. You know, we say uh, we're in the 21st century. India has really gone leaps and bounds. Girls are competing with boys, if anything, doing better. But that one element to see all the women women behind the line and men across the line where the first eight questions, you know, which was just general questions, which was about growing up together. Women were way ahead of all the men. And then they just started dropping like flies. 
yeah. it just broke my heart completely um puja um connecting back to what you said right uh, micro goals and macro goals i actually mm-hmm. asked uh, about uh, the recent budget in one of our groups right mm-hmm. women groups they yeah. said oh the sari was beautiful this is where the sari came from and all those conversations right and nirmala sitaraman sari and yeah. not the budget highlights and i yeah. asked the same thing in another group where uh, it's a it's on the group of directors they were talking about this is the sector which is growing that sector is where the more investment is there i mean it was all yeah. highlights on finance and everything it's like yeah. amazed by what a difference these are all people right they are all my friends they are very close friends both of them both groups if you will yeah. but i think this is what the ad also represents in terms of women in tech in software in high prof- proficient in everybody's jobs how much yeah. uh, do we know about our own personal wealth ability to create wealth and maintain it right yeah that's key i think um a little different spin on that gayatri the question here really is is it the gap of understanding or is it the lack of confidence to have those conversations i've been in positions where you know uh when these conversations have happened on a larger platform inputs have been low but when questions are put out and one on one answers are seeked the knowledge is there i think the gap is about translating this knowledge into a conversation and for me when i look at it over my career journey of interacting not just with people from financial sector but other sectors as well it's just the coffee cooler moments i think it's just that whole thing of seeing five men standing in a corner with their loud voices talking about the stock market and for an individual or two people standing on the side who still know what it's about but don't have the voice or they feel they don't have the voice to go join the conversation and give their opinion so at times i think yes lack of knowledge yes but also coupled with not having the confidence to bring that knowledge into a conversation and that goes back to women hanging out in all women groups conversations going to a different side rather than as a group taking the same subject as men like money and giving your opinion on that you know exactly what he said somebody talking about a pink sari so yeah. instead of that in a group if somebody starts talking about money and even if there's no knowledge when you talk together you're sharing knowledge those are the moments we women need to give ourselves each other as well that shoulder that uplift to start getting those conversations growing otherwise these men folk are never going to take us seriously Oh, puja in fact a uh, couple of things that come to my mind when when we talk about uh, uh finance and women empowerment it also reflects the number of balls we are juggling so more yes. and more balls we are juggling right uh, things yes. which we are not comfortable in or it's not about we not being good at it it's just a matter of you know conditioning social conditioning saying that this part of it is yours and that part is yours i think that kind of a society has created that divide i think that makes it that much more the bar has been raised so much that automatically there is a sense saying that okay i'm already good at a lot of things why even yep. try that i think that I, could be one i think you're absolutely spot on you know what he said about um i'm good at this so when we get those chances to talk about what we are good at we want to highlight what we are best at and like you said we have so many balls to juggle we want to talk about the ones that are more a routine of a life we can talk more easily about those and yes we are damn good at those things and we shout about them but when we give these things the lower priority doesn't mean we are not good at that it just means we just need to realign everything but again because it's rooted in us that you know as women as mothers as daughters this is your first duty we want to shout about that and then come to these which for actually become secondary having said that but obviously there you know certain portion of women out there uh with a different mindset who i think equally perform all the duties but are highly aggressive about their positioning and you know they have realigned um if i can put it in a way 
They don't want to come across politically correct. I think they're done with that. They want to show exactly what they're about and not making them lesser mothers, sisters or daughters. Absolutely not. But they know exactly what to present where. It's an art. It takes time and it takes a lot of courage. Completely agree, uh, Pooja. We spoke about finance and how to be part of the journey. Can you talk through from uh, the marginalized society, the the third phase or the uh, stage two of your career? And what type of you know movements were you able to do? Because I have been in the social impact sector for some time. And uh, mm-hmm. every time I see, I, I see so many things that could be done. And you yeah. only have so much time. That is a very, very resource constrained, you know, sector per se. Resource in terms of money, in terms of people, labor, everything. You have worked in many sectors there, right? So uh, help us understand, uh, is technology playing a role at all in those areas? How can te- technology improve uh, in those uh, footprint? Oh, I'm going to love talking about this. I don't know how much time you have, but um, I'm going to start with two sectors that I've worked in within the not-for-profit sector. One was, and we're looking at marginalized sectors. So we're looking at rural, semi-rural, um, you know, semi-semi-rural, like really, really, uh, we're talking about villages with like 50 houses, uh, 50 kilometers from next village. A um, lot of organizations today, the big not-for-profits, and I'm going to correct you, Gayatri, when we say lack of resources, I absolutely disagree to that. There is so much money right now with the not-for-profit sector not just because of the 2% mandatory governance, but it's a tick in the box as well for corporates. Ah, the money okay. is there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not-for-profits have the money. It's about executing this or implementing these programs in a way, uh, the key word here is having the impact. Let's not make it a tick in the box. So I'm going to come to technology playing a part here. Let's talk about women's skilling. Skilling as a whole across the nation became a whole thing. Skilling the youth uh, with, you know, our prime ministers. Um, I, I'm forgetting the campaign, but back in 2017 with the National Council for Skill Development, they came up with uh, skilling a certain number of youth across India, rural and semi-rural. A lot of NGOs stepped up to say they're going to take the girl child and they're going to take women as a sector for skilling. So a lot of skilling programs were implemented right from villages to towns to tier two cities. Technology played a very key element in it because not everybody could be in the towns or the cities or the villages all the time to be training these individuals. So it was something as basic as partnering with a tech company to provide, now again, a non-techie, so correct me if I'm wrong somewhere, but you know, when you lay out the, cables and everything to get a simple Wi-Fi to a village or, you know, providing a SIM card to those women to for them to be able to access the training material. Basic infrastructure. Basic infrastructure to the capital because these people are so marginalized. They have to decide whether they want to spend a hundred rupee towards, um, you know, charging their SIM card for a training or spend that 100 rupees towards Russian for the house. We have seen that. We have experienced that. And especially I'm talking last three years during the COVID era, when being on field was completely out of the bandwidth of it, not-for-profits. And these programs still had to run at a faster pace than even before, because, you know, household income was going down with a lot of mass exodus from tier one cities, people going back to villages. However, the biggest gap came, women were skilled in things like entrepreneurship because you can skill these women, you can get, they're intelligent, you train them. But again, the societal pressures, the culture would not allow them to move out of the village into a tier two city or a tier three city as well. They had to be close to homes. So after the skilling, how do they get a job? because there are no jobs over there. It's about entrepreneurship, setting up their own micro enterprises. It's about providing them that technology. And a lot of organizations did a beautiful, beautiful grounding job to give them that infrastructure, software, training, skilling. 
90% of all these kind of converted into entrepreneurships as opposed to getting them jobs. Jobs happen for, I'm going to say, girls in tier two cities, tier three cities during COVID. You know, if we had a cohort of 20 students, the emphasis was on the girls. And out of a cohort of 20, if 10 were girls and, you know, 15 people were actually going through the cohort, 90% of them were girls. And even in job placements, it was the girls who were securing more jobs than the women, uh, than the men. And I think it also goes down to the want, the desire, the ambition, and also as being a girl or a woman, understanding the needs of the family and how important it was to get that extra income into the household. They stepped out of their comfort zones of lighting chulas at home to learning basic word, learning you know, how to surf the internet, filling up application forms. Some of them are so successful today with a lot of BFSIs, call centers, as customer executives, relationship assistants, earning anywhere close to 18 to 25,000 rupees a month, where prior to this, they had zero income, their own contribution to the house. And this was only and only possible because of technology and what we could provide them sitting within a safe space of the four walls of their own house. So I think technology played such a huge role in skilling entrepreneurship. Education, of course, is a very different sector, but keeping these children, um, I would use the word sane, and you know, occupied over the two and a half years. Uh, to, I know all children kind of fell, you know, below or fell backwards right from children from, you know, maybe an international school all the way down. But um, villages did do a little better job than towns and cities because um, they got the infrastructure, they got the tablets, thanks to the not-for-profits, they got the training. But what was most critical was they understood the need, they didn't take it for granted, they made something out of it. And it's only because technology, and technology innovated itself, like, I think in three months itself of the first um, lockdown that we had, yeah. it was absolutely amazing. I remember working for an organization doing youth skilling programs at that time and the first lockdown and we we were sitting in corporates monies. And as a not-for-profit, you have to spend that within a certain period of time. And the first question was, how do we provide skilling to youth? We are skilling them for, you know, IT without being face-to-face -face with them. How yeah. do we get the same impact? But, you know, month on month, we turned out cohorts of youth absolutely excelling in what they're doing. And, you know, some of them have gone a long way in life in the last three years. Wow. I'm getting goosebumps here, uh, hearing your stories. Because uh, these are the ch real change in grassroots level change that we're talking absolutely. about. And powering them see uh, it is uh, easier to say okay uh, i have have I have improved my ad engine or i've improved my seo um, to mm -hmm. ensure that it is easier to click and buy my next fashion designer clothes all of that but ensuring that my child is able to get a education i mean my Absolutely. i'm able to fill that uh, interview uh, you know form uh, legibly. I think the biggest, um, I'm just taking this just one minute away from this guy. For me, as a human being, during the COVID era, working with a not-for-profit, working, you know, towards the COVID relief, the biggest thing that really moved me was what technology did for COVID orphans. Because during a disaster, the biggest, um, the area that suffers the most is the minors, the orphans, because that's where child trafficking is the highest. It's at its peak in any disaster. And what technology did, and I think with a lot of support from the government, to make sure that the COVID orphans weren't lost in the system or didn't fall into the wrong hands. For me, I think that was the biggest impact of technology over those three years. That's awesome, Mapuja. I think uh, just the fact that children are able to be in a safe space, right? I think uh, sometimes some of the media companies actually highlight more of the no, things which are not working rather than Absolutely. things which are actually doing well. And uh, those, as I don't know why we are more focused on 
problems than things which are actually working and uh, ensure that um, we have the amplification effect right uh, uh, move to your current work right puja i think uh, i know you and i have connected uh, through the anitab.org uh, which i have been associated with more than 4 years i think that has been a very very enriching for me personally um, mentoring meeting women and sheer uh, sense that uh, i have uh, you know interacted with them and saying that you know you have a staying power if i can stay uh, in the whole place and then you can also do it sometimes it's just that it may sound very odd but uh, that is it just have to uh, stay the course and yeah. uh, i think so what are the things that that you are planning uh, as a woman in tech i think as a you know, anita being connecting the not for profit space women in tech the corporates how are you planning the whole thing yeah, puja the entire strategy now for the next 3 to 5 years first is obviously expanding our footprint pan india because um, you know technology just like in the west it was all about silicon valley so far it's always been you know when we say tech in india we say bangalore we need to step away from that a bit as well it's about increasing our footprint uh, you know there's hyderabad which is very much in talk it's like the mass exodus from silicon valley of india bangalore to other hubs but they need to be recognized also i think we need to step up because the government is putting in a lot of effort now also with their new budget about investing into tier 2 and tier 3 cities take kanadka for example right they're investing into areas like hubli uh, so many call centers so many fintechs have moved there it service centers have moved there i just look at that as an overall impact to the gdp the economy of a country because metropolitans yes they bring in an x percent of income to a country but uh, let's not forget most of our population does not sit in tier 1 cities they're sitting in tier 2 tier 3 cities but when we look at the age divide in a country and we look at the age group of 18 to 25 42% of that is coming from tier 2 tier 3 cities and i'm not even going into further gender divide of female to male ratio there but that is the population that's going to make uh, the future of is digital there's no question about that no argument about that every child uh, i think two and three i think is 98% is what the stats say that when children are interviewed or surveyed in colleges or junior colleges they want to pursue technology now technology obviously also comes with associated functions but technology is the keyword rather than my times you know medical law engineering engineering again was technology but our engineering i think was different than what we're talking today so for me it's about penetrating into tier 2 tier 3 cities addressing the women and girls over there there are a lot of institutes there girls are paying a lot of money to get into those institutes getting some technical skills but the question the challenge is how do they convert that into a livelihood it's not just about understanding one coding program and picking up a job it's about what more is out there for you you know simply like for a sales person it's not just about going and selling a product a sales person can grow with time and grow into a business development then into marketing and end up in a role in comms uh, one of my own team members is a live example of that who started off in sales and events and is heading up the marcom division for us today so it's about just knowing how to align yourself getting these girls to understand the bigger world the corporate world uh getting them out into not necessarily tier mm-hmm. one cities but the corporate culture if we can work together to bring that corporate culture closer to their doors in tier two tier three cities or maybe even rural areas like it's happening in karnataka right now so one is yes the footprint the second most integral and the key thing is for existing women in technology right from you know junior management all the way to cxo cto levels it's about having programs aligned to the indian audience whether we are talking about programs for leadership whether we are talking about women in technology a lot of women drop out take a break sabbatical and then find it hard to come back because there are a lot of dilemmas when they come back right it's about god i'm coming back after 5 years this is the guy i interviewed and got into the job 
he's probably going to be at the same level as me or my senior. How do I fit in? How do I compromise on my designation, my money? Understand those skill gaps. Make sure we address those skill gaps so the women can come back into positions that are rightfully theirs, aligned to their skills, aligned, you know, bring that confidence back in them. Because that is the one of the biggest reason women don't come back into work in spite of wanting to, having even the family support system that allows them to get back to work. But it's their own demons they fight with. And the demons are something about the skill gap, the confidence levels, and finding the right corporate to work with or even a startup to work with. Options are plenty, but finding that right option. So what we are aiming to do is getting that right platform with help from you know women like yourself in tech to make sure these women have the accessibility, the knowledge, a safe space to voice their concerns, address the demons, and get back to where they deserve to be. And third and most important is diversity and inclusion. More and more corporates today, and I'm proud to see a lot of startups who are actually making it a part of their culture right from the startup stages to address diversity and inclusion, specifically in regards with women, whether we are talking gender parity or pay parity. But, you know, I'm going to be realistic about it. It's still going to take us a long time to get there. But we definitely want those. The wheels have been set in motion. It's about oiling those wheels. It's about working with the right people, advocating it at the right place uh, to make sure the wheels are oiled faster and the motion is a bit more faster, especially for women in technology. I think these are three core areas that uh, we at anitab.org are looking to address for India. Um, for me, when I look at India and technology, it's, you know how we used to say in the good old days, cradle of civilization in this valley. That is what India is for technology. How many people in IT do we churn out year on year? And also, if we look at the intelligence quotient, it is much higher in the Asian audience for technology as opposed to other continents. And that's a fact. It's not something I'm saying. It's a stats. For us, it's about converting that to a strength, um, you know, bringing those women out there and giving them, I'm going to say, the safe space of voice and a platform to connect with each other and really down the line see more women leadership in technology. There used to be a movie called Traveling Sisterhood. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, creating that safe space and travel in this journey. Many times, uh, I, as I told, when I have a problem, all I had to do is I had to just tap on one of my um, friends who are uh, the community. And uh, yeah. just tell them that this is the problem. Nine out of ten times, you'll not believe Puja. They have already gone through this problem. And yes. they say, okay, guess what? This is this could be the solution. Or it, it was just a matter of, you know, me uh, clearing my head. Saying that, okay, hey, this is, uh, this is something that is there, right? Uh, how do you tackle yeah. it? So, I think creating that network and, cre yeah. and reaching out. Um, you mentioned about tier two, tier three cities and uh, reaching out to them. I think that is that is a key in terms of saying, okay, how do how do we expand the footprint and creating those yeah. small uh, networks and uh, self help groups. Uh, in fact, uh, self help. Uh, when you spoke about cradle of civilization, in the civilization, I, I can imagine having smaller networks uh, across yep. the globe. Uh, and uh, back to technology, I think technology is there. We just have to tap on it and create that and ensure that you can voice out your differing diverse opinion and be heard and yep. move on from there. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, I think you said it right. Technology is there. Uh, the want is there. It's about creating that awareness, where to find what they need. I agree. And, uh, and it's also a number-driven game in the end of the day. More and more, uh, we are able to uh, hold uh, women in every level, right? Um, yeah. I know right now, academics, we already have more women um, excelling. But keeping Absolutely. them through the career, uh, in spite Sustainability. of... Sustainability. Yeah, sustain, sustaining that. I think that sustenance, if you are able to get it in, I think that is where... Um, uh, the success story uh, or a 
sustainability that we keep talking about, right? I think that helps. So, um, I know your and uh, the Grace Hopper uh, celebrations are coming up. Uh, do you want to uh, share few things uh, that can be shared, Puja, with our audience? Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity, Gayatri. So yes, we have a Grace Hopper Celebration India 2023. Uh, we are having it in Bangalore uh, in the month of November. And I'm not able to give an exact date today, but we're looking at the last week of November. Uh, we're aiming for about six and a half to 7,000 women technologists. And I'm going to use the word strongly allies as well uh, to participate in person. And you know why I use the word allies? Because a lot of our allies are sitting in positions today where their voice becomes so important to advocate the cause of women. And we need these men on our side to speak for us uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion within the corporates. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we are looking at addressing topics, um, obviously tech related, as well as there's going to be a lot of tracks around non-tech as well. But what I'm really looking forward to, even as a non-tech person, I mean, I get on these calls with our track chairs and our program chairs and they talk about tracks. And that's when I also realized technology has moved on so far ahead that over the last three years, things have moved on so much that there's going to be so much new in November 2023 in terms of technology to discuss. Everybody knows digital security has been there for such a long time. But to hear techies talking about the changes in digital security, how the whole dynamics have changed, the challenges it brings with itself, to look at India leading the globe by 2025 in UPI digital payments, these are some of the topics we are really looking forward to hear from our techies. Yeah, the biggest networking platform we could offer women technologists coming together. It's obviously going to be a lot of hard work, a lot of sessions, a lot of knowledge to absorb, but there's going to be fun and games all along the way. So I'm really looking to see um, the entire tech community. If I had it my way, the numbers would be a lot higher, but um, the bigger, the better. Oh, thank you so much, Puja. Um, I personally attended 2019, and that was a 10th year where Anita B. Uh, Grace of a celebration happened in India. And uh, it was electric. Uh, yeah. And the whole place. And uh, to, some, to a large extent, right, more you see people who have gone the path, you yeah. you are you don't have to go the same path. But more importantly, it gives a lot of confidence to say, hey, guess what, you can uh, take whatever path you want to. That really, really builds a lot of confidence, Puja. I have just one more thing to say. I've just attended one Grace Harper, which was Orlando, uh, 2022. And um, what took me or what really was an eye-opener for me, and I love to share this story, there was a group of about 30 women who came from one organization. And they traveled from you know different parts of the US to come together in Orlando for Grace Harper, for a four-day event and we were talking to them and the senior most lady of the organization who was leading them she got talking to us and she shared this with us without giving names of the organization she said while they were at grace hopper and 30 odd women from one single organization the same dates in new york their organization was conducting an awards evening to recognize women talent in their organization right and that day she got a call from her boss questioning why there are no women in that award function. To which she threw light. She said, I repeatedly told these men, let's not have it in September. It's Grace Harper. But they chose not to listen because they could not believe that Grace Harper, the value add it brings to the women in technology as opposed to an internal awards function. So net result an awards function for, you know, acknowledging women in your organization, you had no women to take those awards because they were sitting at Grace Harper in Orlando. Oh, wow. Puja, that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> I mean, that reflects in so many different ways, right? One is the value and other is, other is just the fact that women uh, actually come together and they, they can do things. 
and the third is the sometimes uh, just information is just not relayed across um in yeah. spite of so many conversations so many uh, things that we speak about right absolutely yeah I, that was when officially or formally decided on praise harper celebration india in person and i think that story for me was such a motivational factor that you know there's so much passion about this event that uh, the question that came to my mind was i'm looking at these 30 women and i'm thinking are you guys not scared of going back to work and being questioned but they didn't seem to mind that at all because for them it was about voicing their opinion it was about making a statement and they did it yep and that too in us right contextually uh, yeah. due to the bln the black lives matter uh, movement it's also becoming more and more understood that uh, absolutely yeah i think that also helps in terms of the macro uh, movement that is happening in the society absolutely wonderful wonderful pooja um, and any uh, you know words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners pooja i know you've been having a you had a fantastic career so far in terms of uh, you know when i start right at starting in the hotel management trying different uh, careers <laughs> and uh, you know touching so many different lives through your journey i think the biggest learning for me gayatri as an individual as a girl from indian roots who spent most of her life in the west i think it's just been about voicing your opinion and leaving your fears behind because unless you don't do that you do not step onto the next ladder whether you start voicing in small groups and then go out but you have to speak what's in your mind because i personally have gone through it and i know it this is a solution for everything but you will not find a solution till you don't ask for it so seek help at every level personal professional career everybody needs to seek help you need to go and ask and you you shall be answered excellent puja <laughs> love it love it love it thank you so much for your time and i wish all the listeners a very very happy women's day and uh, i hope uh, you have a fantastic women's uh, month as well Thank you Gayatri I wish everybody a happy women's day as well and uh, for the listeners looking forward to seeing most of you from the tech community in November thank you We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories If you like this episode Please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.